Welcome to the Skin Intellectual Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Simpson, founder of Amethyst Skincare and chief beauty inspirationist at a new company called Skinfluensive. On this show, we talk with leaders in beauty, including everyone from founders, influencers, investors, beauty editors, and retail buyers. We take a deep dive into all of their stories, their lessons learned, and their wisdom for growth in an industry that is always ever evolving. Don't forget to subscribe and join us each week as we learn and grow together. And if you really love the show, don't forget to leave us a review as it helps us reach more people. This episode is brought to you by Skinfluensive, a company that invests in beauty, lifestyle, and wellness influencers, helping maximize their hashtag return on influence, and Amethyst Skincare, a brand created to meet the modern needs of skin in response to environmental, lifestyle, and climate change. To learn more, visit our websites or follow us on social, all in the show notes. everyone. Thanks again for coming back to another episode of the Skin Intellectual Podcast. Today's guest is somebody who I have been no lie fangirling for probably a bit over a year now. Her name is Ginger King. She is known on Instagram as the Beauty Shark Ginger. She's a cosmetic chemist and a woman after my own heart uh, because she does a lot of things in the beauty space and she brings that really comprehensive view of marketing, business, industry expertise, the backside of operations, consumer knowledge, retailer knowledge, all into her formulas. And she develops formulas that really do take the industry by storm. So today we're going to take a deep dive into her history and her story because her story is very interesting. And then a cosmetic chemist point of view on where industry is today and how to get things done and how to optimize any launch budgets that we have. So I hope you guys enjoy the show and I look forward to your feedback. Without further ado, let's welcome Ginger. Okay, Ginger, welcome to the Skin Intellectual Podcast. I am so excited that you're here today. I know that our listeners are just going to get so much out of this episode. And if I'm honest, I've been fangirling you for more than a year, and it has been such a dream of mine to have you on the podcast. So why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. So my name is Ginger King. I've been in beauty for over 30 years. And I actually have been in every single aspect of beauty, starting from at the retail counter, doing makeovers for people. <laughs> and uh, I have been in um, research and development, manufacturing, marketing, product development. And for the past 10 years, I have been helping people to start their own beauty brand from concept to launch, including formulation. And in 2020, I also launched my own brand. However, I launched my own brand is not to compete with my customers, but it's uh, work as a um, like a blueprint on how to launch your brand after you know you have the baby because deliver a baby for to you is actually easy for me it's how you're gonna bring up the baby that's the challenge and i need to walk the talk that's why i have my own brand wow well congratulations on the launch of your brand um i'm pretty sure that the majority of the listeners probably already have it on their vanity and if not they'll probably rush to go and get it Um, But I want to learn a bit more about Grace Kingdom Beauty. This is a company um, that you've created. It's a consulting company that you just said you help brands from concept to launch. And I've heard some previous interviews with you where um, 
you know, you talk about the different ways to start a beauty brand and, you know, the importance of marketing and brand. And so I would love for you to just talk a bit about Grace Kingdom Beauty and what you do and, and what value you bring to the people who you help bring their products to the market. Uh, uh, just quickly, there are three ways you can do it. Well, unless you are a cosmetic chemist, I will never advise you to do DIY. So the first way is you do a private label, which is the easiest way. However, there are a lot of cons when you do the private label way. The second way is working with the contract manufacturer, which is slightly better. But the best way is really working with the consultant. Uh, I call it using a surrogate mom because <laughs> you are not a chemist yourself, but you may have ideas. So you work with the consultant that we can marinate the ideas together. And then I help you to deliver it with feasibility because you can dream anything you want, but feasibility and regulatory, they are the two biggest hurdles when you want to deliver innovation. So that's uh, help you actually starting with your brand development because having to create the products, you can go to any chemist. That's their job is to create products, but create the product that is consumer relevant that create a a product that have your brand DNA in mind as a whole different ball game and um, I specialize in that area. So when I develop product for you, I want to make sure you do have repeat purchase. I want to make sure it's award-winning worthy. I want to make sure you have longevity. I think these are really key concepts that, you know, when we get into product development, we don't always think about the longevity of something. You see it a lot now playing out with celebrity brands. You see a lot of celebrities putting their name on something and launching it, thinking that the name will carry it for the long term. And we all know that, you know, to really be successful in this space, you have to have a strategy that goes beyond that, right? And even for some of the clients that I help pitch to investors, you know, the there's always been so much focus on customer acquisition. Like, what are your customer acquisition costs, which are astronomical for everybody in the industry right now? But there's not always the proper amount of focus on the lifetime value and the return rate of that particular client. And your marketing dollars go far, but they don't go that far. If you have a bad product, you know, your customer is never coming back. So to you, when you're developing products for your clients, like what do you think are the hallmarks of something um, that will improve the lifetime value of that customer? Product aesthetics and also performance. The reason why I want to say product aesthetics first is because if the customers don't like how the product feel on them, they will not use a second time or third time. And if it's a skincare product, you really need to probably using properly using the product for at least two weeks to see some sort of results. So product aesthetics is number one. And then uh, performance and performance, you really need to have some sort of clinical data to support. I know a clinical is expensive. But if you do have something good, it's worth the investment. Do you do testing in your facility or do you source it out? Clinical has to be done on a third party for objectivity. And also clinical labs, they, it's, their whole job is to do clinical labs. So they, will, it's, they are charged to recruit different type of skin for inclusivity. And also if it's a specific uh solution to problems, they will have to recruit the specific problems uh, that their quote-unquote patients have. Got it. So what is it, what is the client journey like working with you? I know that we have a lot of founders who listen to 
this podcast, um, especially early stage founders. And so, you know, a lot of them, like you said, you get the phone call and you are requested to create the baby, um, but you bring a lot more to the table than beautiful formulas that have great aesthetic and also that work. So for why don't you walk us through, like, what does the journey look like when, you know, somebody calls you with a concept and then to launch? Like, what is it like to work with Beauty Shark Ginger? Sure. I like to start with brand development. Brand development is I will actually have a one hour conversation with you and to find out why are you make doing this brand? Because there are so many beauty brands out there. When you want to create a brand, you better make sure it's worth doing it. And what is worth doing it, it has to be with your emotional why. A lot of people say, well, I want to leave a legacy. Yes, leaving a legacy is great, but you also need to make sure your kids want to continue your legacy. Exactly. <laughs> right? And a yes. lot of people say, well, beauty is profitable and I like beauty. And what do you mean by profitable? You want you mean you want to make more money? Then what if you win a lotto today? Are you continuing with your beauty brand or are you just going to fold up everything? So you really need to like really think about the why and a very strong emotional why. Because as you know, beauty startup is actually hard. You probably don't get any returns until the third year, you know, once you create brand awareness. So in order to have the stamina to continue doing what you are doing, you a strong why have to be there. <laughs> yes. So after I help you to um, identify what is your emotional why, then I'll do brand development work for you. So brand development is actually help you to create your mission statement. You know, what are you in a mission to? And vision, where are you taking your brand to? And then I'll help you to plan out, platform out the products, what kind of product you should be making. Because sometimes whatever you come to me with, first of all, there may be feasibility issues or it may not be the best according to your brand DNA. And uh, I will kind of tell you what kind of pricing you should be looking at and distribution channel. I kind of work with the bank with an end in mind, I work backwards. A lot of people will just say, well, I want to just start launching my own website and see where it goes, right? Yeah, that never works. Yeah, (laughs) but what if, you know, if any retailers knocking on your door, Sephora, Ota, you know, Target, are you going to say no to them? And if you're not going to say no to them, is your pricing correct? Because as you know, retailers can take 60% of your margin. So if you don't have your pricing right, when they knock on your door, you actually be losing money rather than making money. Yes, you can create your brand awareness, but you'll be losing a lot of money. So I help you with the distribution channel and um, the PR outlets, you know, because PR is extremely important for the brand. Then uh, also philanthropy, because we are living in the same world. And if brand A have the same solution to the problems like yours, but yours also give back to the society with some social impact, you are actually more desirable as a brand. So I kind of do the whole thing for you. I call it brand development. No, with the brand development, uh, there are some advantages. First of all, you can use the, your brand development as a base to get investors 
or can start a conversation with retailers. Uh, and I forgot to mention, actually, the most, most, most important part of brand development is I give you your proprietary technologies like no other people can do it for you. Because everything I talk about from beginning to the end, the mission, the vision, there are branding companies can do that for you. Marketing companies can do that for you. However, marketing companies that don't have the access to the technologies cosmetic chemists have for liability reasons, they don't need their technology to be flying around just in case people do DIY. It's liability. So I actually would put together the ingredients that will be uniquely yours. That's your secret sauce. So when people use your brand, they know why are you special? It lies under the technology portion. So the whole thing is called brand development. And once we have the brand development done, then I start doing prototyping for you. Prototyping, the back and forth is only up to three submissions. Uh, the reason is I've been doing this long enough and I also have been a lot of beauty magazines award judge. So I kind of know what people are looking for. So as long as you give me a product texture benchmark, I can pretty much nail down at the first submission, I get my approval. The reason why I ask for benchmark is not to copy it. The reason why I ask for the benchmark is so we are on the same page because a lot of especially consumers, they don't know how to quantify the slip, the, you know, how the product, the payoff. So they'll say, oh, I want something very luxurious. But what is very luxurious? What does that mean? Exactly. Yeah, your, your luxurious can be too greasy for me. But if you can give me a benchmark saying, you know, I like this is luxurious to me. So I know what you are looking at. And that's how when I formulate, I can match that similar aesthetics so to get you what you want. And that's how I get my approval quick. Now, the only the reason why I allow up to three is because I don't want to have customers that, you know, after it just like you never satisfy because there are people who are undecided, very this undecided. This is true. It's that indecisiveness that, that's always there. It's always there and you never know what it's going to be, but you just have to anticipate it. Yeah, so I need to cut it up at the third batch. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's called prototyping. And then you have the ability to buy out the formula from me. So I'll be doing all the stability testing for you. I'll do the micro uh, batch preparation. And I send out micro challenge testing to a third party. And then if you elect to have clinical testing, whatever, I can arrange the whole thing for you. And you own a formula. And once you own a formula, you are investable. Because when you work with the private label, you don't own the formula. When you work with the contract manufacturer, you don't own the formula. You can negotiate with them, but the likelihood of owning the formula is very low. Now, the benefits of owning the formula is you have total control. During pandemic, I have seen a lot of contract manufacturers and suppliers that jack up the price. Now, if you just have the country manufacturer jack on the price on you because you own the formula, you can go to somebody else. So, you know, you control your own destiny. And because you own the formula, investors are more likely to invest in you. So that's how I work. You know, the three, the three parts is the brand development, prototyping, and the buyout. Now, you don't have to do all three with, the, with me. You can do part by part. 
because I also believe in order for a business to be successful, you and your customer need to be in alignment. And like other consultants, once you work with them, you kind of like in contract with them forever. And if you they don't deliver, you just waste your money. You do have to be very careful who you marry in this industry, yes. including your chemist. Your chemist, you know, everything you're saying, it, you're just resonating with me so much right now. You know, a lot of the work I do with my clients, I work with, with cosmetic chemists and formulators and formulation labs all the time. And this is always the sticking point. Do we own the formula or not? Like, how important is this? What come, What happens if I want to make a small tweak to the formula? Do I still own the formula at that point? And I think it's something that, you know, you don't know what you don't know, especially when you're first starting a brand. And so it's really very important to consider that, you know, there are a few assets, a few people, a few um, assets and people that just did not sound right at all, did it? Uh, people... <laughs> And assets, meaning owning your formula. Um, but there are a few key people that you need to be really, really sure are going to be a good fit for you and to really help you and build you up. And your cosmetic chemist is one of them because there's so much that can happen. Um, for example, jacking up the price on you for something. Oh, look, all of a sudden this raw material supplier can't supply this to me anymore. So I'm going to go find what I feel is a good alternative. And I've seen it where they do that and don't even tell the customer. They just make those changes and slide it right through, but they're no longer on their formula at that point. And you really have to be very careful who you marry. And it's the same for investors. You know, investors are looking, you know, there are beauty brands coming and going all the time and they're looking for a few things, including that longevity, but they're absolutely looking at your team and having an understanding that you've got formulators who are trustworthy and know what they're doing um, and are willing to work with you at whatever stage your business is, but eventually to the point where you, your company itself actually owns IP and owning that formula is IP. You do become more investable at that point because I believe gone are the days where investors are, are okay with being utilized as like a bank per se. You know, it used to be, okay, we have a great customer acquisition cost. Our margins are 80 plus percent, 90%, 100%. And we're in talks with Sephora, so we need $2 million. And they used to be like, okay, because they knew the payouts were quick. It's not like that anymore. And so the more you can protect your business with the right people, the right teams, the right intellectual property, whatever that looks like, um, that's really important as you go into um, this venture. So let's shift gears a little bit. You're a cosmetic chemist, a female cosmetic chemist, and I am just itching to know um, how you became a cosmetic chemist and what are some of the key points um, in your journey that got you here? I become a cosmetic chemist. Actually, I wanted to become a makeup artist because I saw the transformation what makeup can do for, for a person. But because I'm Asian, I was expected if you don't get a PhD, at least get a master's degree. So when cosmetology school called me, my family actually told them there is no such person. You got the wrong number. <laughs> so it was very disappointing. So to make my family happy, I was like, okay, why don't I major in chemistry and make cosmetics? So that way... First of all, science sounds good. You know, being yeah. a chemist sounds good. Second, instead of being the applicator of products, I'm actually the creator of the products. It's even cooler. So that's how I started. And I never regret it. It's fun. 
So this is something you, you really remind me of a conversation I had with my parents. It was the same thing. I was born and raised, you know, you're going to college, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, kind of pick one. Um, and then I picked doctor because I like science. And when I got into my bachelor's degree, I realized like, like, I love the idea of medicine, but I'm not a doctor. It just wasn't who I was, but I loved science. So I, I studied biology and chemistry. And when I graduated, I actually worked for a major pharmaceutical company who I won't name. Um, and they gave me this glamorous title, analytical chemist, you're going to do all of these things. And basically what they should have said, you're the lab rat sitting on the bench. And they paid me $11 an hour or 13. I don't even remember. Anyway, it was like some crazy small amount of money. And they would ask me to drop a drop of whatever it is we were reverse engineering and record the weight and take another drop and record the weight. And I'm like, you can't be serious. This is not. And because I didn't go all the way, um, you know, it was not really going to get much better for me, you know, not going all the way through to my PhD. So I knew that I love skincare, skincare products. Um, and I knew I wanted to be in product development somewhere, but I wasn't sure if that was actually like on the bench or if it was in another way, but I, I was so young, I didn't know. So I quit my job and I went to esthetician school and I will never forget one of my parents who I also won't mention uh, said to me, you know, you have a degree in biochemistry and you're going to leave and go put mud packs on people. Like they didn't speak to me for a year after that. It was ridiculous, but it, that's how it, it's, that's like that family pressure that I felt. And I just looked at my family and I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do because I know that's not where it stops. This is where it starts. And I feel like as a woman in STEM, you know, there's always pressure on us, whether it's from our family or even from the industry, because when we're working, you know, there are not to turn this into a feminist conversation by any means, but there are a lot of men in this space. There aren't a lot of women in this space. And I feel like, you know, coming up through that, we're always faced with some kind of challenge. And so is there any story you can share? Maybe one of the biggest challenges you've overcome, or maybe something that you found super inspirational when you knew that you finally found yourself in the right place? Super inspirational. It's just like when you go to the store and when you see the customer talk, talk to another customer saying how great the product is, and then you're just laughing so hard that <laughs> I made that. I made that. <laughs> and you walk through Sephora and you're like, I made you and you and you and you. Um, so speaking of that, what are your favorite kind of products to formulate and why? I love doing skincare and hair care because skincare and hair care, you kind of see the results. Well, let me take it back. Color cosmetic, you see the results right away. But I hate making color cosmetics because it's very messy. When I started doing consulting, my first client is actually a celebrity makeup brand. And I realized it took me one hour to make and three hours to clean because everybody was long wearing. And I totally forgot when I was in corporate, I have left technicians, they do dishes for me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when you come on, you're always like, okay, I need to do all these dishes. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to stick in the skincare <laughs> and the hair care. And because skincare and hair care is fun, everything you, you apply is good for you anyways. <laughs> Yes, true. That's true, true. Yeah. So is there something that you formulate that's different and unique that's like special that only ginger can do? Things that only ginger can do because I honestly I'm 
I am a cosmetic chemist, but I wouldn't classify me as those nerdy chemists. Those, <laughs> you know, those, you know, innovation. You know, yeah, yes, I'm innovate, but it's like when I do products, I always have consumer in mind, and it's just like I do a lot of breakthrough award judging. But what I'm really looking for is consumer relevancy because you see a lot of products coming through my desk. It's yes, it's innovation. Yes, it's technology, but there isn't really of a consumer relevance. You are just building a better mouth trap. It just adding the bell and whistles, and it's not really doing consumer any good because innovation to me is you either save money or save time, and still deliver the results. Okay, if consumer will have to spend more money. Or spend more steps to achieve whatever they want to do. You are really just creating products for the sake of creating products. So for me, I like to create products that consumer can enjoy and efficiency as well. So that actually, you know, you are you are very close to the pulse because you're a cosmetic chemist. So you have close relationships with suppliers. I'm sure, you know, you work with all of them or if not most of them and you're getting pitched all the time of things that have been created that are latest, greatest. Um, So what do you see coming up as the next round of latest, greatest in beauty in terms of trends or maybe formulation changes? Like what what should be on the radar of founders to start looking at? You, well, it's always uh, two school of thoughts, right? One school of thought is customization because, you know, everybody is different and this is why you have those, you know, you can do your own boosters and everything or you have your customized beauty, you know, even at the target levels now. But there's also a, another school of thought. It's like, I don't really have the time to do every single step, even if it's customized for me. And actually customized for me is also questionable because if you look at all the single creases you fill out, right? But then you're pretty much getting the same product. The same for me. Yes. Yeah. only yeah. so far you can go before it's really, really custom. Yeah. So then it's just like, okay, you either go the customized route, but I think it can be done better, or you're still doing the all inclusive route that this target everything. Because at the end of the day, everybody have the same 24 hours. How you save time to achieve what you want is the most important. And people actually, it's okay to use money to buy time. Just like everything we do, you know, if, if you have the money, you get your help. If you don't have the money, you do it yourself. Right. So, yeah. This is, I think, everybody's daily dilemma. Starbucks <laughs> or my virtual assistant for an hour. So <laughs> I'm always with my VA. Forget the Starbucks. Um, so I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about product development, manufacturing, MOQs, private label versus custom custom formulation and owning your formula. There is, these are all great viable solutions and there is a solution for every brand, for every founder, but not every brand, especially early stage is super funded. You know, not everybody starts with VC millions in the bank or um, even more than $200,000 in the bank. So let's assume that you've got a, a startup that maybe has a $100,000 budget, or let's just say a budget that has a cap on it, right? 
how would you recommend this founder to use that budget to optimize their entrance into the market in the sense of, you know, does it make sense to do custom packaging and custom formulas and and to load yourself with these crazy MOQs and inventory? Or does it make sense to maybe look at other solutions and use that for marketing and sustaining a team? What I usually advise is you want custom formulas because there is no point in marketing a private label product which anybody else can have. Now, when it comes to packaging, you can just dress up the existing packaging you know that's available. You don't have to go crazy because if you're going to open a special mold, you have that cost of goods and also you need to do uh, compatibility testing on the materials as well as your MOQ is potentially higher for you know using the packaging but I also want to advise like you only start with one product one hero product to start instead of coming out with the whole line the reason is you you may think you, you have your ideal customer avatar, you know, a certain demographic having certain issues. You can create this product. However, once you are in the real market, that's the test. You will start getting feedback. So you actually understand who, who is your consumer. Then you take your insight, then you develop the, the other products year after year. Yes, it's you may be very tempting. You know, there are some brands out there. It seems like an overnight success. Every overnight success take at least ten years because you don't know what kind of relationship they have been building with the editors, with you know, with the investors. You you don't know that back end. You only see the glamorous side. So you really start with one product and then you take it slow from there. And actually, one hundred thousand is more than enough. I will say, for the first product, have fifty thousand dollars in the bank. It does not mean you're gonna spend all that kind of money, but it's a safety starting point. And once you have one of your hero product, then you launch slowly over time. And when you have like three or four products in your line, that's when you go to retailers. This is excellent advice. Um, And I often advise my clients in very similar ways. There's always a great starting place. And sometimes you just have to do it. Like done is better than perfect. And if you do one thing really, really well, that usually trickles out and and will give you the growth you're looking for. So recently, there has been a lot of acquisition of, or from, I would say, private equity firms purchasing beauty manufacturing plants. You're starting to see PE firms buying up the source of all these amazing cosmetic products because somebody figured out, you know, it's not the brand we should be investing in. We should be controlling the manufacturing. They got smart and said, if we control the manufacturing, now we control the margins. And now every beauty investment becomes viable. And this has huge implications on our industry. And again, with you being really close to the manufacturing side, I would love if you could share your thoughts on what you think this means for the future. So it's, Good for the private investors, uh, for uh, private equity investors for uh, the counter manufacturing side. Also, because counter manufacturing is very lean and mean. And this is the reason why they keep churning out with products that is just changing color, changing fragrance. But you, when they have investment, they probably can take a little bit more time. 
doing the innovation that consumers really want rather than just minor tweaks. So this isn't a bad thing. The bad thing is if they control all the formulas, then that could be an issue because you know it's still you it's still using the same big buffet style whatever <laughs> you, just take, you just take it so you uh, the founders will start have to find those Michelin star yes with, <laughs> with your customized formulas yes so this is you know Guys, for anybody listening and you're looking for a partner that really can help you navigate all of these things, Ginger is definitely um, the one that you should call. Ginger, before we close up and I ask you just for some final thoughts, how can our listeners find you? Uh, the easiest way is follow on my Instagram and DM me. My Instagram is the beauty shark ginger. Wonderful. And if you could leave our founders with a just one inspiring thought or just that one piece of advice that you want them to take away, what would it be? Just start because overthinking sometimes, you know, you, it, it can always remain a dream. So if you do have any ideas, if you want to have your own beauty brand, you know, you really need to at least start a conversation. And just for your listeners, I'm going to give a special, if they DM me and say Nicole and I, your N-I-C-O-L-E, yeah. I will give them a special gift. I'll give them the my top 10 tips for starting uh, your own beauty brand. Wow, it's that's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> that's very generous. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Okay. Um, Ginger, it was a true pleasure having you on today. Thank you for sharing your experiences and your wisdom. Uh, we'll put all of how to find you down in the show notes, um, as well as how to get your special gift. And as always, if there are any questions from anyone, uh, you know where to find us. With gratitude, we proudly present our sponsors. Born out of frustration into personal insecurity, Priscilla created Skinergy Beauty to be the go-to solution for dark spots, melasma, and brighter skin. It's possible to cover dark spots with makeup. It's their mission to help you not to. With a wide range of natural and botanical skincare products, Skinergy will re-energize your skin. Join the hundreds of loyal customers and shop SkinergyBeauty.com for a limited time. Get 10% off your entire order using code REENERGIZED and free shipping on orders over $75. Welcome to Treasy.com. We're a new marketplace community that offers a curated listing of the cleanest wellness products available on the planet. Defining clean is complicated. So we've developed a toxic index broken down into multiple categories. Did you know things you put on your body like lotions, oils, and deodorants? They all get absorbed. Clean is better for you. Check out thetreezy.com. And for more information, go to info at treasy.com. Come grow with the tree. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure if you enjoyed yourself to leave us a review and subscribe so that you are the first to get all future episodes. Don't forget to check the show notes too for follow information. And sometimes you might get lucky with cool promo codes from our sponsors and from our guests. So if you don't want to miss an episode, you can also be sure to follow me on Instagram at Nicole No Skin. This show is produced by Skinfluencem and Amethyst Skincare. If you're an influencer looking to take your influence to the next level, schedule a consultation with us at skinfluencem.com. We love meeting new people and can't wait to meet you there.